podcast, and I'm joined today by one of the real nice guys of the game, Barry Hawkins. Barry, thanks for dropping in. No problem. Tell us about your first few years as a pro, Barry, because it, it took you a while to make an impact, but you had a few good moments and a few good wins in those early seasons. Um, yeah, I, I think I turned professional at 17 um, when the game was wide open. You know, you just had to pay pay your fee and go to Blackpool and, and brave the qualifiers. So um, I think I had one year at Blackpool. I've done pretty well, you know, won quite a lot of matches. Um, I think I've done, out of all the rookies of the year, I think I was like third best or something. I think it was David Gray at the time and um, Alan Burnett. They done they were the standout performers and, um, you know, won quite a lot of matches. So for my first year, I was quietly pleased. You know, I've, I've done all right, um, no experience and stuff like that. So, But then after that, they... They closed the, the tour down, and it was through qualifying. Then we had to go on the, I think it was called the UK tour at the time, and because um, they cut, it used to be an unlimited number of professionals, yeah. but then it became a fixed amount. Yeah, I think at the time we had to wait, win seven, eight, or nine rounds to make the venues back then. So, um, so many players there were, um, so they cut the tour down, and you know, it was going around snooker clubs trying to qualify. So it was tough, really tough, and um, I don't think I got onto what's called the main tour until I was around twenty. 21 and um, obviously I've I've stayed on ever since yeah which is a remarkable achievement was the returning point then on the main tour a moment where you got a big win or a good tournament that you felt was the real launch pad for you or was uh, it a more gradual thing yeah it was quite gradual I think um, if I can remember rightly I think that a tournament that did stand out at a time where I thought actually I, I could do do okay here was um I think it was like the LG Cup in Preston. You got to the quarters. I got to, exactly right. Yeah, I got to the quarterfinals, and um, I can't remember who I beat actually. And then I lost to Joe Swell five four, and it was a really good game. And um, obviously at the time Joe Swell was doing really well. I'm not sure if he might have been in the sixteen at the time. So um, you know it was a good good run for me then, um, and I suppose it gave me a little bit of little bit of confidence, thinking that maybe I could go on and, and make a living out of the game. Yeah, and steadily you found your way into the top mm. 16, which you showed was where you belonged, actually, because you continued to progress after that. And let's jump ahead, actually, to 2012, and mm. you went to the other side of the world to win your first ranking title. What are your memories of the Australian Open? Yeah, it was... Um, well, just the journey obviously stands mm. out. You know, it was, a, it was an unbelievable journey, and um, I think everybody was knackered for the first few days, but... Um, I can just remember, you know, everybody was really nice there and I can remember the conditions were absolutely perfect. Um, and they was every time we went back there. So um, obviously it helps you to um, enjoy, you know, enjoy the match conditions and it sort of like brings out the best in you, I suppose. And uh, yeah, going there, didn't expect too much. Um, I think it was off a back of like a China tournament, six reds. So I'd been away already for two or three weeks, you know, and um, obviously starting to get a little bit homesick. But, you know, I... I Got got to Australia and um, yeah, lucky for me, things happened and I and I played well and um, yeah, I think it was just when I started working with Terry Griffiths at the time, so it's all like coincided with that and yeah, it's all like kickstarted me really. And it wasn't like you were scraping through the rounds and just managed to hang in there and find your game at the end. You were actually the best player, really, I think, across that week. Um, well, I suppose the results suggest that, yeah, and um, yeah, I, I think I played pretty well most most matches. I think I played Matt Selt in first round. Um, I think it was Jao Gudong in one of the other rounds and I remember playing Matthew Stevens actually and it was a bit of a bitty game so I mean that could have gone either way and I, I think it was um, a respotted black hit. I think it was that, that was the quarter final there was a respotted black and the way the game was going I was starting missing a few and Matthew was missing a few and I cut the black in off the spot to win the match um, so yeah that sort of like was a little bit of a turning point really in the tournament so uh, yeah I couldn't believe it went in actually and uh, 
yeah, after that, I played very well. You know, I beat Mark Davis in the semi-final. We had a great game and then played Peter Ebbin in the final. Um, and I probably um, played the best of the tournament, really, so in that match. And you won quite comfortably. So mm. I guess, in a sense, you were able to maybe enjoy your first title a bit more because it wasn't like you were going through a tense decider or anything. No, no, exactly. You know, obviously, the pressure is still there because you just want to win a win a title. And um, I'd won the shootout before, but nothing ranking-wise. So, um, you know, obviously... Um, as the winning line approached, you know, it was getting a bit more pressure. But I think I got across it quite comfortably in the end. And, um, yeah, it was a really proud moment. And, uh, yeah, obviously, I'll never forget, really. Would it be fair to say then, Barry, that you believed in yourself a lot more after that and you were a lot more confident from that point on? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, it was a lot, still a lot of work to be done. Even now, I still struggle with self-belief and stuff like that. I'm always trying to trying to work on that side of things. Um so, you know, Terry was a massive help at that, that stage of my career, Griffiths. And, um, you know, I had a lot of good results after winning that tournament. You know, I didn't go on to win lots of tournaments. Um, I've won a couple more, but I had a lot of good runs in big, big tournaments, you know, especially the BBC events. So, you know, I think at that stage of my career, you know, Terry, I owe a lot to Terry because um, he obviously helped me with the mental side of things and a couple of little technical things. But, yeah, it was a, it was a good stage and it is a good stage of my career, you know, I've Obviously got a little bit more self-belief, but um, things still need to be worked on. You look at Terry, he wasn't a flashy player by any means, but he was very consistent and actually had a lot of good results. He was world champion, of course, so he knew how to get the job done. In a sense, was that what he gave to the players he worked with, showing them not so much how to play or the technical side, because obviously you knew that anyway, but how to get the job done and how to actually turn that into winning matches and tournaments? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I'm one of these people that, you know, if someone someone tells me stuff I don't just absorb it and believe it and I I have to well I have to believe in that person and obviously Terry being having a career that he had you know and been there and done everything in the game really um whatever he said I I believed um there's other people out there I suppose the placebo effect you know they just keep feeding someone what they want to hear and I mean some people take it on board and believe it but I'm not one of them people I need to see um have someone having a good track record if you like and um you know, they've got all that experience behind them and, and Terry was one of them people. A reassuring presence yeah, just exactly. with his manner. Yeah, exactly. So you kicked on from Australia and indeed at the end of that season you were in the World Championship final. But first let's talk about the semi-final because it was a strange match against Ricky Walden. I know it's <laughs> yeah. one Ricky still regrets to this day. Oh, because, I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, he was in a sense on top, but he wasn't pulling away from you. You were hanging on really well and that's mm. the key, isn't it, in those long matches? Stay in there and then play well at the end and get across the line and that's exactly what you did. A perfectly timed run, you might say. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, if the first two-thirds of the match was um, was very poor, you know, I suppose um, I don't think I had a break over 50 until the very final session. So, um, yeah, I, you, you're exactly right. I just hung on, hung on and, you know, finally at the end I hit a little bit of form. I'd I think I had a couple of centuries and um, got stronger as the match got to the winning line. So, um, yeah, it was an unbelievable feeling, you know, win, winning that match and finally getting to, like, the final of a major tournament, especially the World Championship. So um, I can understand why Ricky, as a sore one, looking back on him, because I suppose he had me beat him, really, and I just hung on and hung on and, you know, probably just got stronger at the end. You were overshadowed, I guess, going into that final, Barry, by mm. the fact you were playing Ronnie O'Sullivan. And it wasn't just any ordinary year to be playing him. It was the year that he hadn't played, basically, mm. for the entire season. So all the hype was surrounding him, which I'm sure suited you very well. And you probably played a lot better in the final that you didn't win than you did in the semi-final that you did win. Yeah, I think I, don't, I can't play much better, I don't think. Um, 
there was only a couple of balls missed in the whole final, really. I mean, it was ridiculous. And um, I think Ronnie, I'm not sure if Ronnie's ever, I'm not, I don't know what he, you know what he says. Sometimes he, you know, he, he um, says things he doesn't mean, but I don't think he's ever played as well as he has done in that world championship. You know, he just destroyed a lot of people and he had so many good sessions where he just blew people away. And, um, you know, he played probably at the top of his game in that final and I pushed him most of the way. Um, you know, and I almost got to 15, 13 and, you know, I was starting to get a bit more confident and I actually did feel at one point I could win. So that was, that was, um, that was quite nice. But, you know, he was, he was just so special in that, on that occasion. And, um, you know, I suppose him being away for the year, he had the extra incentive just to prove to people we can, he can do that and create a bit of history really, I suppose. And, yeah, something I look back on and never forget. And, uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. The scoreline makes it look like it was comfortable. But really, there were just one or two key balls and key moments along the way that fell Ronnie's way. If mm. they'd fallen your way, it probably would have been a different outcome. Yeah, I think a, uh, maybe a big moment in the match. I, I probably should have gone, I think it might be 9-8. I lost the black ball game to go 10-7 down. It was the so last of was the a, first night, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe if I was a bit more within... So I mean, only 10 seven, it's only three frames, but you know, against Ronnie, you don't want to let him get away too too much. Um, so if I go nine eight, you know, the pressure's still on him. Um, everyone's expecting me just to completely fold out there. I think a lot of people wrote me off before that final, um, especially some of the pundits, you know. And but yeah, you know, I think I proved a lot of people wrong. Um, and you know, I've had a, quite a few good runs ever since. And we'll talk about those in a moment, but just going back in time before that, you couldn't get a win at the Crucible for years. Yeah. The first five times you were there, yeah. you went out in the first round. Even after that, you went out in the second round the next couple of times. People made a lot of that, but did you actually have a problem with the Crucible or was it just the way things were going? No, I mean, the first couple of years, I maybe had a problem. You know, it's, it's quite nerve-wracking and a lot of people go there and just crumble. Um, and I was one of them people. Um, I'll never forget, I, uh, I played Ken Doxy on my first, first visit there and... Kim was a top player at the time, you know, and um, yeah, I got got out there, won the first frame, and I just thought to myself, oh, what's all the fuss about, really? And um, lost 10-1. So, yeah, and then as he started getting away from me, I was just like, like most people, rabbit in the headlights, and um, you just want the ground to swallow you up in the end and get out of there. So, yeah, I mean, my first experience was obviously, it was nice getting there, but I got my bum smacked in a big way. So, um, it was a bit of a eye-opener. And as we've said, it turned around in 2013 and then mm. you went on to become a fixture in the closing stages of the championship. The big one, I guess, that you probably look back on with some regret was the last time you got to the semi-final against Mark Williams and it just seemed neither of you could quite get over the line. Eventually, Mark did fall over, but is that the one you look back and think, yeah, I should have got to another final that year? Yeah, it was a sore one, to be honest with you. I think I played Played really well, you know, for our older match. We both did. It was a great, great game up until the very end. It would have been great to watch because we was both twitching all over the place in the end. And well, it was um, a great atmosphere. It was a great atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. Um, and we had a little joke at one point where we, I think, remember Mark coming back to the table and um, I just missed something and he, he had missed something. Then I'd missed something again. And then I think he just lent on me and he said, we both, we've both gone here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did make me laugh. But, you know, at the time, it's it just really nerve-wracking. And... Um, yeah, I think I was 15, 13 up, I think. Um, you know, it's a bit of a blur now, but I was feeling really good at one point and I can remember missing the red and it sort of like changed the game. I was, I had the momentum as well and I was getting on top and then it sort of like changed changed the game really and then from that point onwards, we both started missing and, uh, 
got really, really nervy towards the end. And yeah, I was very disappointed at the end. You know, it was another one, another good chance to get to the final being in front. You've been billed as a crucible specialist, Barry, on the back mm. of all those good runs you've had. To a lesser extent, around the same time, you became a bit of an Alexandra Palace specialist because you had some good runs in the Masters. You got to the final. Again, you played Ronnie O'Sullivan. Got off to a good start, but sort of fell away after Whoa. that, didn't it? Yeah. Well, you I won, won the opening frame. I won it, exactly. Yeah. And, then I got, and then, again, lost 10-1. You know? And it was just another one of them occasions where I probably crumbled a little bit under the pressure. Um, and obviously, he got stronger and stronger. And it was just... It's just, you know, I mean, it's happened to a lot of play, a lot of players, you know, especially against Ronnie, and especially in that occasion, you know, I'm not the only one who's lost ten one in a big major final. So, um, but it's just, you know, sometimes it happens like that, and you can't, you just can't recover, and it just gets away from you, and in the end, you just, you, you know, there's no way back, and you just want it over. Um, so, um, yeah, but you know, like I say, it's another triple crown event I've been to a final of, and. Uh, done some good performances there as well you know but you know before my in, my career ends it would be nice to um you know be able to lift one of them big ones you say there that you wanted it over yeah but then by the time the following year's masters came around i'm sure you were thinking i'd love to have another shot at him in the final and you really should have shouldn't you because oh, you went so close yeah. against joe perry in the semi yeah i had one foot in the final it was it was near enough game over um he needed a snooker and i was five four up he needed a snooker um he ended up getting a snooker and clearing up. And then in the last frame, I was 50 in front. And he made a really good clearance. I mean, I remember missing a middle distance red. Yeah, and he made a really good clearance, you know. So that was another, you know, this game was, was so many sick losses over the years. Mm. <laughs> it's amazing. You keep coming back, but you do. And uh, that's what you've got to do. Um, pick yourself up and go again. It's just part of the game, really. Well, you did that really well because a few weeks later, you played probably the best tournament of your life, the World Grand Prix. Yeah. And you had some great wins along the way. You beat Judd Trump, you beat Neil Robertson. And then you're in the final against Ryan Day. Five centuries, 9-3 up, but it almost went against you before you got over the line. Yeah. You gave you one hell of a scare, didn't you? Yeah, he did. I mean, I don't. I, I missed a couple of balls, but I didn't squander chances to mm. win win the match. It wasn't like I was throwing chance after chance. He, he bang, banged in a few breaks. And then before I know it, it's 9-7 and um, starting to get a little bit twitchy, to be honest with you. And yeah, in the end... He left me a chance on the last red, and I made managed to clear up and win on the black, and that was just a another huge relief, really. And uh, you know, it was just it was good season. It was another good tournament, another big win for me. So um, yeah, I was delighted, obviously. Would you say that was the peak of your game, Barry? Because I remember that as a great tournament, and mm. you obviously were the star of it at the mm. end. So uh, you must look back on that as a real highlight, just in terms of your performance. Never mind the fact that you won it. Yeah, no, I was probably like consistent-wise. I think that's probably the best I played consistently every match in the tournament, and obviously, you know, that showed in the final. I think, um, yeah, you know, it's just a really big boost for the confidence at the time. And yeah, I suppose at that stage of my career, that's when I was. Um, yeah, that's probably when I felt the strongest. You know, although I've still, still done well since. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well-ish. <laughs> You've had some bad runs, of course, like every player. Mm. And I remember a few years ago you were going through a particularly difficult run, and you spoke about some problems that were going on in yeah. your life off the table. We don't need to go into that again. But the reason I raise it is because it highlights that players get criticised for not doing well, not winning matches they should. But people don't know, the media don't know, the public don't know what's going on in people's lives. And mm. I think perhaps they lose sight of the fact that snooker players have a life away from the game that can affect their performance. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, it was a terrible time, especially, you know, family-wise, you know. And mm. you just think, uh, you know, when something like that happens, you just don't, you, you just think, oh, I'm not really worried about the snooker, you know. You see your family in bits and, 
you know that everyone's struggling and getting upset and it's just a it's just a terrible time all round. So you, you know, things take a back seat and Snooker definitely took a back seat. Um lost a bit of motivation, didn't really well, I didn't really want to play to be honest with you. And, did you uh, think about actually taking a break for a while? Yeah, I, we did I did. And um you probably in hindsight you're probably probably better off doing that because you're turning up at tournaments and you, your mind's really not on it. Um so yeah, you know, as time goes obviously time's a healer and uh you, you realise, you know, snooker's your job and you love playing snooker and obviously you get your head down again. Um, yeah, I mean, life gets in the way sometimes, but, some, you know, you just got to pick yourself up and, and keep going, haven't you? So, uh, yeah, no, obviously we're all in a better place now and can concentrate playing snooker again. Oh, that's good to hear. Mm. As we come to what I call the quickfire round, Barry, which is yeah. where I throw a few topics at you and you just say whatever comes into your head. Yeah. The best anyone's ever played against you. Sorry, my phone's going. That's fine. <laughs> Someone ringing to suggest some answers. Uh, that's maybe. all right. I still need a wife. I'll ring her later. <laughs> um, so the best, best anyone's it, ever played against you? Uh, I think it's got to be Ronnie in the, the World Championship final. I think you know over that long distance, that was a that was an amazing performance. I think. A few players you'd like to go on a night out with? Honest, oh, there's, there's too many to name. Mm. Um, well, you're, you're you're very well liked on the circuit. Oh, obviously. that's, a, a that's hand, handy to know. Um, yeah, obviously, like the boys more in my. My age bracket, really. Um, Maguire, Selby's a good laugh on a night out. Um, Jerry Green, my practice partner, Joe Perry. Um, oh, there's too many. His name, Holt, Michael Holt. We're all grown up together. So yeah. all them sort of boys, really. You know, Matthew Stevens. Yeah, um, there's too many to name. <laughs> right, you've named quite a few yeah, there. Yeah. That could be a big night out that was, all of those well, guys be, went big, together. Yeah. It was a huge night out. Yeah, more I'd, than one night out. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to go on yeah. that. <laughs> Your favourite song? Oh, favourite song. See, everyone asks now. People ask me about music. Cause I've never got one favorite song that stands out. But um, let me think now. A U two song. Um, I can't think. I'll think of one in a minute. It's coming up. We'll come back to that. We'll come I'll back tell to you that. Okay. So songs. But you two are your favorite band. Then? Well, I'm not really massively into bands. I'm old school garage. I'd say. Um, oh, probably I'd say one of my old my walk on tunes. Um, Kelly the Rock, a garage song. So I don't yeah. mind a bit old school. Yeah, something old school. Definitely. It's an old school garage. Was, that's, yeah, that's yeah, that's scene, a bit of me. That's my scene when I was younger. Definitely. Yeah, so we're talking kind of late nineties, early. Yeah, 2000s. yeah, yeah. That's when it was all really popular at the time. So um, back in the good old days. <laughs> okay, so a bit of you two and a bit. If of it was garage. a band or something yeah. like yeah, okay. something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a wide that's, range. Of yeah, anything there. that sounds good, uh, do me. Okay, your favourite holiday location? Uh, well, I've been there so many times. You know, I like going to somewhere like Greece. The weather's always nice. Um, not too far on a plane, you know, you get a bit sick of the long hauls when you keep going backwards and forwards to China um, and the other places. So, um, yeah, somewhere like Greece, you know, pretty nice. I like it there. And one match you'd like to have over again? Oh, where do you start? So <laughs> many. Um, cool. I'd say that that semi-final against Perry in the Masters, that hurts. And that semi-final against Williams we spoke about earlier as well. You're going to have two. You're going to have two. Yeah. You've had a long career. I think oh, you're no, entitled yeah. to two oh, matches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing as we move on, Barry, that's often said about you is that you're underrated as a player. Now, I think people who know about the game don't underrate you at all. I think everyone knows what a good player you are. Mm. And on your day, you're capable of competing with, with anyone and playing as well as anyone. So why do you think people say that about you? Um, or do you care? I don't really care. No, I um, it's just one of them things, isn't it? I mean, I suppose because I always maybe go under the radar before, you know, especially in the big tournaments, I go under the radar and then all of a sudden maybe I'll pop up in the, in the semis and no one's really noticed, if you like. Um, 
That's the best way to I do suppose, it. I suppose, yeah, can, it, doesn't bother, it? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't bother me. You know, all I want to do is try and win matches and, you know, in the end, hopefully try and win a tournament. But, um, yes, yeah, maybe, maybe because I've just not won many tournaments, you know, so that's probably why people underrate me. You know, if I'd won a few more, you know, six, seven, eight, nine tournaments, then maybe may take a bit more notice of me. But, you know, I've only won a few tournaments and, um, you know, if I'd won one of the majors, then maybe, as I say, bit more nervous but yeah no I'm not really bothered and maybe because I just sneak sneak along maybe and you speak keep, my, for... keep myself to myself when I'm around really apart from the people that I really get on with so exactly and you always speak very modestly you don't big yeah. yourself up maybe that's part of it as well and that's yeah. not a bad thing to say about someone no it's not a bad thing you know it's just, I don't like being big-headed or I don't think many people like people that are big-headed so it's all right being confident you know but that's just it's just the way I am so um yeah, is what it is. Barry Hawkins has played his part in this year's World Championship. It's not going to be a century, but what a fantastic defence of his World Championship. A lot of people didn't think Ronnie O'Sullivan could do it. And Barry Hawkins coming along and congratulates him. What a smashing final we've had. Fair play to both players, but you're looking at a genius there. Ronnie O'Sullivan is the 2015 World Snooker Champion. You think maybe you could have had a bit more of a killer instinct at times? It's another thing that's been said. Yeah. As I say, you're capable of playing so well, but maybe just a few times you haven't yeah. got over the line. Yeah, no, you know, sometimes you have to a little bit be... Obviously, as I get older, I realise, you know, over time, you need to have that little bit of arrogance sometimes, you know, especially out there. It's not like being big-headed, but it's just you need to have that little bit more of a little bit more fire in you and you need a bit more of an intimidation factor because that's what it's like when you're, you're sort of like performing, really. Um, so, yeah, you just need to stamp your authority a little bit more and maybe I've lacked that in the past, definitely. Do you think you've gone beyond your expectations, Barry, or did you always expect that you would reach the level you have? Uh, no, when I was younger, I don't think, you know, you're hoping you're going to get there and hoping you're going to win matches and win win a few tournaments, but you never know is, you never know if you're going to until you, until you do it. Um, it's such a tough game, but to be honest with you, I mean, I've, I'd hoping by now, you know, I'd have, hopefully I'd have done a little bit better. <laughs> um, you know, I've had a good career so far, but, uh, you know, hopefully I'd, I'd like to get a couple more wins or even another win, you know, before I hung up the queue. So, um. You know, I'll, always, I'll keep trying, that's for sure. You're now 42, yeah. is that right? There would have been a time not very long ago where we would almost have been starting to write you off, but we've seen now mm. that you can be that age and still have a lot of years to come, so there's still plenty of time to add to what you've achieved. Yeah, no, exactly. Like you say, like you say um, a few years ago, you know, if you got to this stage, you know, in my career, and when people started reaching this age, 40-odd, 40-plus, um, people would start tailing off, but it's not, not that way anymore. Um, people are getting stronger, in fact, I think, um, especially if you do everything right. You know, you can see like with Higgins now, he's he's realised probably just keeping himself fit, you know, for the longevity in the game. It's helping him no end, I should imagine. Um, Ronnie always keeps him fit. A lot of players keep themselves in shape. So um, if you do the right things and you stay hungry enough, there's no reason why you can't go on for... A lot longer. Well, John looks very hungry. He's lost about four stone. We're starving. Yeah, he looks hungry <laughs> yeah. So, do you do that then, Barry? Do you do much fitness work? Yeah, um, yeah. I've been trying for the last couple of years. More, f you know, obviously not just for my snooker, but more for just makes me feel better, especially in my mind. It's just mental. It makes a massive difference for me. And um, you know, I was going cycling quite a lot, and um, I've just started hitting the gym now and doing classes and stuff like that. So um, I'm actually starting to get a little bit addicted to it. So I feel guilty when I come away. I haven't been. So, um, yeah, no, I'm just starting to get into it. But more, it's 
you know, obviously it's to help my career a little bit, but it's more to make me feel good and make me feel happy. It gets harder as you get to our age, doesn't it? To it go does, to the gym and put the effort get, in. Yeah, it's yeah. really hard, especially some of the classes I've done. It's, you don't realise how unfit you are when you, until you see people in there. And um, yeah, no, but it's good. I'm going with my friend of mine and, you know, we G each other on. So um, yeah, I'm going to keep up with it, that's for sure. And what else do you do away from the game, Barry? I know you've got kids, so that takes up a huge yeah, amount of time. Yeah, well, anything only, else? got one kid, so um, yeah, he keeps oh, just, just one, is it? Just one, oh, yeah, okay. one boy. He keeps us busy enough. Um, but what age yeah, is he now? He's almost 13, he's 12, so he's almost a teenager. But You're over the hard part, Barry. Well, I won't say that, <laughs> he's getting harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least no, he's sleep right. at night. You know, no, yeah. he's a good boy. So, um, yeah, no, apart from obviously keeping busy with the family, you know, I like to go out socialising with, meet up with friends, go out for food and um, go out for a few sneaky beers every now and again. Um, so, yeah, no, you know, when we get downtime, just try and relax really and enjoy yourself. There's one match I have to talk about, Barry. I know you won't want to, but we talked about getting over the line. Mm. Well, there was one day where you really could not get over the line against Nigel Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Barry, but I can't go through your career without mentioning it. 5-0 oh, up yeah. and you lose 6-5. So what's it like once he gets back to sort of 5-2, five, 5-3? Five, Does it almost feel you're standing in quicksand and yeah. you can't stop the tide? Yeah, it can be. You know, sometimes you feel calm. But I can remember on that occasion, I wasn't calm at all. And... Um, yeah, I collapsed like a cheap tent, as they say. And yeah, I mean, he started coming back. I mean, it wasn't as though, no disrespect to Nigel, he, he didn't come back with a barrage of big break, big breaks or anything. He, um, you know, he just um, solid stuff and grinded me down. And um, yeah, I was uh, in bits, as you say, by the end of it. And yeah, I was like, oh, that was a horrible journey home. I can remember, felt sick. But it just shows, you know, you can take take shots for granted. And I, I was one ball away from winning 6-1 off 6-0. I was on the green, perfect, and I thought, well, that's it, that's over. Got down, missed the green, and before I know it, I was, I was going home with a loser. So, yeah, that was um, a lesson learned. Flip side of that was another match in the World Championship quarterfinals, just going back to your crucible days, where you played Dominic Dale, 11-5 mm. up, and he comes back to lead 12-11. And you then managed to somehow pull out two really good breaks the last two frames. That's a massive psychological challenge when you've hardly had a shot all afternoon. Yeah. Then you get your chances at the end, and... You just must have been so relieved to get over the line in that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was relief and obviously, um, you know, it was a, just another little match that proved to myself that, you know, obviously you can you can perform on the biggest stage, you know, and you can handle the pressure. Obviously not all the time, but, you know, if you can do that in in that arena and um, at that stage of the tournament, you know, you, you, must be, um, you must be able to hold yourself together, you know. So, um, yeah, it was a huge relief and I, I can remember... I think I punched the table 15 times. I've indented the table at the end, I think. But um, it was just just pure relief. It's a massive tournament and everyone wants to do well in it. And I think, was that the quarterfinal, did yeah. you say? So it was to get to the one table set up again. And, um, you know, it's um, every player's dream, you know, to get to that set up. You don't really think about these things, I imagine, as your career goes on. You take it as it comes. But you must look back now and think, I've been around as a good player for a really, really yeah. long time. You've stuck around for maybe 20 years now as a very consistent performer on the tour mm. and that's something to be very pleased with because the game's changed a lot in that time a lot of players have come and gone but you're still there and a very strong opponent for anyone yeah yeah I mean I, I should I should um, look at that and, and take a bit of confidence from it um, you know like you say a lot of players have come and gone and fell by the wayside but you know I've managed to hang around if you like and uh, not done as well as I would have liked but um, I'm still going and uh, 
hopefully I've got a lot a few more wins left of me, you know. It's funny though, you say that you've not done as well as you would like, and then you also talk at the same time about maybe not having the self belief. Yeah. So there seems to be a bit of a contradiction. Y- yeah, there. I suppose there is. You know, I'm I've always um played things down. Um I've, I've you know, I've always like not given myself enough credit for winning a couple of tournaments or winning big matches. I always play it down and that's sort of something that's been a probably a problem over my career really. Um so I'm Obviously, I've only, I've started working with somebody to try and rectify that. Um, so we just see how that goes. But uh, on the psychological, yeah, on side, the psychological stuff, yeah. yeah. So um, you know, it's only early days, but I thought at this stage of my career, I might as well go and speak to somebody. And um, you know, because you need to be so mentally strong, and that's probably what's cost me a lot of big matches over the years. And maybe I've I would have gone on to win maybe a couple more tournaments. You know, um, so yeah, I've, uh, it's um, it's a tough game. So I'm obviously trying to do things to try and rectify that a little bit. But you should give yourself credit, Barry, for the mm. fact that even to win the number of tournaments you have and mm. to have the number of big runs you've had in big events, it's very hard to do in the modern game because yeah. for two reasons. For one thing, you've got all-time greats still around like Higgins and O'Sullivan. Yeah. You've got the likes of Trump and Robertson and your good friend Mark Selby. Mm. They're all still at the top of the game. You've got to compete with them. And equally so, you're competing with the greater depth that there is now in the game than maybe there was 20 years ago. So yeah. to do what you've done... Maybe you should give yourself more Yeah, credit. no, I should do. Yeah, and that's exactly what um, everyone says to me. So um, f- I'm going to start giving myself more credit. Mm. <laughs> no, so yeah, we'll see how we go. And what can you still do, Barry? Is the dream still to be world champion? Yeah, obviously. Everyone's everyone's dream to be world champion. Um, but I'm a realist, you know. It's getting harder and harder. Um, there's so many great players. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't say I'm going to win it because that's just that's ridiculous. Um, but I'll keep trying and... Uh, if I can get getting back to the crucible for the next few years, then that'd be that'd be great. So, um, but yeah, I'll keep trying. Maybe it could be the Goran Ivanovic of it because he went close at Wimbledon so many times, never won a Grand Slam, and then late in his career, when nobody expected him to go on a good run, he got to the later stages, and you could see, yeah, he wasn't going to let this chance go, and he didn't, and he won Wimbledon. So maybe yeah. that's what it would be like for you. You just need to get through the early rounds. Well, you do. That's yeah. right. I mean, the game's getting tougher and tougher. So you know, before years ago, like the first. The top players used to look at the first couple of rounds and think, right, who have I got in the quarterfinals? But there's no way you can do that nowadays. Um, the, the, the strength in depth is just unbelievable. So, um, yeah, you know, I've, I, I, say, I don't know how long I've got left playing, but, you know, I'll keep trying my best. And if I'd like to get back to the Crucible for another few more years and, you know, if I can have a deep run there, then who knows? You never know. And I mentioned the depth in the game, but the reality is that what's coming through has not overthrown the players mostly who were there five or ten years ago mm. so that would suggest that players of your standard could yeah. still be around for a long time yeah you know what I mean a lot of the youngsters you know obviously there's a lot of Chinese players coming through um, there's not that many great amateurs from this country and like Europe coming through it's mostly the Chinese players but you know years ago that the game was I mean the game is huge but the amateur side was unbelievable and um, we was playing in Big tournaments, week in, week out. There was you couldn't get a free weekend for the pro ams and stuff like that. It was so the learning school we've had, and you know, I suppose we've um, the ring craft we've learned over the years is is it, it takes a lot lot of years to learn that, you know. So um, the other players coming through, they haven't got that side of things. So that's maybe why them sort of like great players are staying up there longer, you know, because there's just great players all round. Well, I have a feeling we're still going to see a lot more of you winning tournaments in the years to come. And if you ever did become world champion, Barry, it would be one of the most popular victories yeah. ever on the circuit because you are, as I say, so well liked. And thanks so much for dropping in to join us on the World Snooker Tour podcast. Yeah, no problem. Cheers.
Thanks. Now, with the Masters starting in the coming days, next week's World Snooker Tour podcast is with the man who won that event 35 years ago, Dennis Taylor. We'll be looking back on so many successes and stories, and yes, that will include the sporting and television phenomenon that was the 1985 World Final. I know when we were with Nick Hunter, there was a lovely photograph of uh, Steve, myself and Nick Hunter, who was the executive producer at the time for BBC, and uh, a television set with 18.5 million on it. That's what they estimated the the viewing audience was. But I bet there was more than that, because the number of people that tell me they were in clubs and stayed there, and there was maybe 60 or 70 people watching one television set. So that's coming up next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast. Until then, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.